me. It makes me hunger to understand more about the human, the human race and who we really are and how we're in this together as a world, not as a country, you know, not as individuals. Obviously, you must have been asked this question many times. It's, what's your response to, are you crazy? Like, <laughs> why? Why are you doing this? Well, you know, the people who know me don't ask that because they already know I'm crazy. <laughs> um, but why am I doing this? It, I wanted to go through the Yukon Flats. I hadn't been through them yet. And that's a na- national preserve up there. And it's hundreds of thousands of square miles, you know. And it's, it's all the birds from all over the world come up there up north because when they migrate they don't know the difference between countries you know so they're up there and I just really wanted to spend time in a, in a preserve like that that was in the wilderness and um, so that was the first piece that made me want to do this trip and then I was looking at it and thinking well why don't I just go as far as I can and um, which would be Ammonic which is about 10 miles from the Bering Straits um, and I don't know if I can get down the straits because of river parades and the headwinds and all of that. I might be able to run the tide down and run the tide back. We'll have to see how risky it is when I get there. But um, so there was some, there was some of that was just the environment. And I love the environment and I love being a river rat. It's like wind in the river, wind in the willows. I get to, I get to live on my, you know, with my boat and camp every night and nobody calls me to come inside <laughs> for dinner or to sleep I just stay outside all day long and I don't ever have to go inside um, so, it's, so I like being outdoors and I think the other part is it's, a, it's deeply spiritual for me and um, there's nothing like being alone in the middle of nowhere for you, for you to face yourself and see yourself and allow yourself to to become more of who you are and sense of um, all other input is, you know, from communities and all of that is our, all artificial input is out. It's, it's, it's just nature in me and I get to kind of evolve with being out there and being, doing that, you know, and it's a good time in my life. I'm 65, not getting any younger. <laughs> this isn't, these aren't things I'm going to be able to do probably my whole life, although I'll probably try. And, um, and I've had some really challenging years. I think that's typical for people my age, you know, struggles with, with family and, you know, death of parents and siblings. And, and uh, I, I think I need it to clear my headspace. I, I think I need it to finish whatever work I'm doing with all those transitions and become more of myself, you know, more centered. So it's a very spiritual journey for me to be in nature. For me, the way to get that is to go into the bush. I grew up in Canada, and we there was acreage. Every had acreage, and it was all bush. And so we woke up in the morning, and we went out in the bush, you know, when we got called in by a whistle, you know, for a few meals. But um, so it's always been my solace. If I was upset as a child, I ran into the bush and played. So it's always kind of been my mother nature, you know, my landing place, my sacred place. Because I grew up that way, you know. Uh, you said that, you know, it, you've been doing this since you were 18. Because you grew up like that. How did it change you as a person? You know, leaving leaving home at 18. Actually, you know, 17 because I graduated early. But um, 
and being so naive, you know, growing up in a very small rural place and, you know, smart, I read a lot, I'd always read a lot, but I, I had no experience. And my first trip over to Europe, hitchhiking around and going down to Africa, and this was, and I was the youngest. Most people over there just, it was their like graduation from college. And if you ever read Mitchell's Drifters, we were a group of drifters that drift and met, and you know, it was this, all this interaction with young people from all countries, stay in pensions and youth hostels and places where young people gathered. And um, it changed my life. It opened my mind. It allowed me to see that, you know, it allowed me to understand different um, cultures and different religions and how important they are to that culture and why, and historically and environmentally. It, it, it take, took me from being egocentric and like country centric to becoming more world centric. Um, it, 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 op it opened, it just opened my mind so that that made me hunger for more. You know, I spent another over a year there traveling um, through Europe, through I was in the war in the Middle East. I had a, um, a big crane. I had bought a little douchebo. I was sleeping in and traveling in 1959, a little Citroen, and I uh, threw out the back seats and made a bed back there. And I had the crane had to lift my car up onto a Russian freighter to take me to Alexandria to get out of the out of the war. And then and then the only way home was to cross North Africa, which I didn't find out till after I got to Morocco that those roads weren't open except for military vehicles <laughs> through eastern through western Egypt and Libya and Tunisia. You know, it was just like I guess I think I had a state of grace going on. But yeah, it fuels me. It makes me hunger to understand more about the human the human race and who we really are and how we're in this together as a world, not as a country, you know, not as individuals. What is the biggest lesson that you have learned since you were eighteen? To 65. I know nothing. <laughs> um, no matter how hard I prepare, no matter how many scenarios I go through in my head, my experience uh, is totally, it's always a surprise and always different than what I expect. I can't possibly project the experience that I'm going to have. When I was just up in the Arctic last year, I went up in Agunik in the village for a while, and then I was up in Barrow too for a first in. Um, I prepared. I thought I thought I knew what I was going to experience, although I know I can't know. But and um, it was just so different and so inspiring and so like being in 24-hour darkness. One of the things I asked the students I was I was doing in high school special education was, "What do you prefer, 24-hour daylight, 24-hour darkness?" And they all said 24-hour darkness, and that was such a surprise to me because I'm I'm used to light during the day. Um, but as I spent more and more time in the darkness, it became exquisite. It, it became soft, like dark chocolate melting around you. And everybody kind of moves through this. And and then when I went up there in the spring and all the sun, the sun was up for, I don't know, 22 hours, the um, and it was bouncing off all the glacier ice and, you know, all the, all the it was so bright and so intense. I thought I'd go nuts. So I, I start, finally understood why they preferred the darkness. It was like a rest, but you get to rest for six months and then you go on for six months and you hunt and you fish and you whale and you do these things for your village to survive and then you sleep again. Um, soon as soon as the fishing season starts or a whale comes in, the, the villagers are allowed to only get um, two um, 
opportunities to get a whale. Um, so they can only throw two harpoons whether they get it or not. So they're really careful and, and the whale will feed the whole village for, for the whole winter. Um, so uh, I just, I admire the way they live on the land and how careful they are and how they protect it, you know. So I'm trying hard to visualize how it was for you to find your way out of a war. I don't think I'm doing a very good job. What you're saying is is how I feel. It's like, I only know mm-hmm. what I in the war in Lebanon, you know. But we can't, I can't. I don't think it, as humans we can often know what an experience is until we've experienced it. Um, and that's what brings compassion, right, too. I think the more we understand how it, I mean, I had this short stint. Uh, Beirut was beautiful. It was a megalopolis. It was an amazing city. And the next morning I woke up and it was on fire. Um, and so, you know, I, and I had met some Palestinians and they, they rode shotgun on my car and we made it through the docks where I had my boat lifted onto a freighter or my boat, my car. Um, and that was a short stint, but it gave me a better understanding of, of things that are going on in the world and how people become refugees and what, how it can change overnight and they're no different than I am. You know, like when I'm talking to you, I'm absorbing you as a person as you are right now, mm-hmm. your voice, your image, your personality, because I really want to see it after three months, how it changes. Mm-hmm. And I, I look forward to that. And it's, I don't know if if we can see the change, but I, I'm sure that I'm going to change in ways that I can't even predict. And um, I'll be the same person when I come back, but but I'll have some new insights, you know. Hopefully, you know, my hope, my my goal is to become more and more compassionate, um, less and less reactive, and to live my life with loving kindness to help others, you know, to to be present in that moment. And these kinds of journeys help one to become more of that, at least for me. When you meet a stranger, you have no baggage, no history, no, you know, you just meet and your eyes catch if you're going to connect. And you connect in the moment and it's so beautiful. And and you've touched someone and they've touched you. And uh, when I went to the to film the eclipse in Oregon, in Eastern Oregon, uh, two summers ago now, I guess, um, I ended up in a homeless camp. And in the morning, people were crawling out of the, the desert, you know, and coming in and, and everybody was kind and good morning and shared their name and introduced and I just kept making as much coffee as I could and I met the most fascinating people and it's easy to be compassionate to the people you love but can we be compassionate to the people that are disdained or looked down upon or not supported or for, but for the grace of God they go I and I think that that's that's a big piece of who I am and how I want to connect because I'm a traveler and I'm a seeker. And coming into village, I will probably, I will meet a lot of amazing people, but there's a protocol. This is really important when you come into village. Some, some floaters will, um, you know, go in and buy out the, the store because it's a little tiny store as big as a dining room, you know, and barge or the, might not come in with extra food for a week or two, depending on weather and 
yada yada. So there's a whole protocol, you know, of the north. It, it's slow. It's always slow. It's 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 always give away. You, you come in with gifts. You so I get I come into a village. I don't jump on my boat and run to the store and have a shower. You know, I stay at my boat. I schmooze. I wait for people to come down. You know, we talk. We introduce ourselves. We we do that ritual. To give away, I ask for the elders where the elder lives, um, and I take I take a gift to the elder and ask permission to be on their land, um, and and so there's a whole piece of that that's validating, you know, validating who you are. This is your land. I am I am an interloper, and are you okay with me being here? Um, and I I think I I think I'm going to meet some extraordinary people that that have lived. That whose people have, peoples have lived there for thousands of years, and, um, and that's going to be incredibly amazing. Just out of curiosity, what gifts do you carry? What gifts? Oh, what? well, what I learned up north, and I taught up there too for a few years back in the day, um, is that everyone wants coffee. The elders, you know. And um, and I think partly because it's a community, it, it, people come together a lot, for and you know, and they come they come together a lot in different ways. And so this people make coffee. You know. So I'm bringing bags of ground coffee to give away to the elders, and um, and the kids. I'm doing two things. I'm I they they want candy. The the kids all just want candy. It's a sugar thing, and so I'm going to bring a bag of candy. But um, I've got extra paracord, a really thin cord, um, and I can make uh, survival bracelets. You know, little things. You know, so, so I'm uh, so when I'm sitting in the flats, bringing in a circle, waiting for the current to pick me up, I can make these survival bracelets, and I can hand them out to kids when I get to the village, or teach them how to make it, or so I'm trying to. You know, I've got a few ideas like that um, that I, I, I hope. You know, it has to be small. It has to be light. And so that's, that's part of my giveaway. This, this has been so, just talking to you for half an hour has been so exciting for me. Yeah. I can only imagine what will it be to do this for three months. Yeah, I appreciate you. I do. I, I appreciate you talking to me. It's wonderful. Thank you.